With sports mascots, especially, you can do a lot more like cheeky type things and it's accepted and you would never see like Mickey Mouse twerking or doing the splits. Like that's just not what Mickey would do, but maybe Goofy would. You never know. Welcome to Better Together with Costi Epifonsive, a podcast on parenting, business, and living life intentionally. We're here every week to bring you thoughtful conversation on making your own path to success, challenging the status quo, and finding all the ways we're better together. Here's your host, Costi Epifonsive. Hey, y'all, this is Costa, and today I'm here with my guest, Drake Finland, mascot coordinator for the Nashville Soccer Club. Throughout his career as a professional sports entertainer, Drake has entertained millions of fans in stadiums and arenas worldwide. From the Kansas City Chiefs to the Oakland A's, San Francisco 49ers, and the Kansas City Royals. Today, we're talking about the soul of sports, what makes the best fan, and how to harness the power of your inner Ted Lasso. Drake, you've worked all over the United States in a myriad of roles and positions. Take us through a short tour of your career and how you started working with the Nashville Soccer Club. Well, first off, kudos for using the word myriad. I have a cat named Myriad, and so she appreciates that. I'll tell her you say hello. But my whole career started at Cookville High School in the fall of 2010. And then I got a scholarship to Tennessee Tech after graduating and worked with the mascot program there and then went to the Kansas City Royals. And while I was in Kansas City, I worked for the Chiefs and a minor league hockey team called the Mavericks. I was working four part-time mascot jobs, added up to one low-paying full-time job. And so I needed to make a little more money. So I went to minor league baseball out in Lake Elsinore, California. In the middle of the desert, it was very hot and we occasionally had fans. And then I went to the Oakland A's up in the Bay Area where I worked for the 49ers and the Warriors as well. And then 2020 hit with the pandemic. So I was unemployed for a good little time. And then thankfully the opportunity with the soccer club came open. So getting to launch the character here of Tempo the Coyote, I'm overseeing that process. How did you get to the point in your life where you decided that you wanted to be a mascot? I get asked that question a lot. My life's always been guiding me that way. I feel like I was always that kid growing up that wanted to really go over the top with projects and like dress up days at school, like crazy hat day, fun socks. And so that kind of just led me into the mascot world slowly. Cookville High School at the time, you had to be a senior to be the mascot. And of course, I, I jumped all over it. I think I was the only one that wanted to do it that year. But I realized that it was just a lot of fun. And you can really impact people's lives, not just by dancing around, but sure. by interacting with people. And you're like the hype man, right? And like getting people out of their comfort zones. And especially once you get to more established teams, there's a built in fan base. Sure. And so people have been fans for generations and generations, and it's built into them. Just being able to make people's days is what it's all about. Yeah. Now, who are you working for in March of 2020? Um, I was working for the A's the Niners and the Warriors. Okay, so let's see. The Niners were playing? Not in March. Okay, so the Niners were not playing. The Oakland A's were playing. So I worked one preseason game. Okay, got it. In spring training. Okay, so when you were with the Warriors, because basketball was affected, correct? Very much so. Okay, so what was that experience like being a part of a sports organization? And, you know, I don't know if you've seen the ESPN documentary, The Day the Earth Stood Still. It's on my list. 
So literally, like, the world stopped. And here you are in a profession that is characterized by entertainment in large crowds. And they're like, we don't know when this is going to end. So what did you do? Like, how did you feel? What was the environment like? So we kind of saw it coming in a way. Because things just got more restrictive. And probably the biggest thing is hand sanitizer just started to show up more and more in the stadiums. And then with the A's especially, I was getting asked to make, like, little PSAs for watching. Sure. your hands and yeah. that type of stuff. And so things just got more drastic and drastic as time went on, of course, as we all know. But I was furloughed from the A's and I was only part time with the Warriors and the Niners. So that work was just kind of suspended for a little bit. And then that was brought back slowly. But the A's, they furloughed most of the staff. Yeah, because they didn't think they were going to have a season. Right. They ended up having one. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to attend any of those games. But it was a very different year. Is the sporting world different now because of the pandemic or have we gotten back to a certain level of normal? I don't think so. I, I don't know if it'll ever be fully back to normal. Okay. Um, a lot of the protocols have changed. Some good, some bad. I know strictly from the mascot perspective, obviously when we give high fives for a living, I've had a saying for years, when you give high fives for a living, you're bound to catch a few colds. And so the person inside of the mascot costume is protected, of course. Right. But then again, like the person is wearing cloth hands. Yeah. And so you have to figure out other ways to interact with people. Instead of giving a high five, you do an elbow bump or a fist bump, and then you have to disinfect everything. Okay. But what if you have like those big furry hands? Well, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. So like you can't like give high fives with the hands because it might send the wrong impression to the fans or is it because you have germs on your hands, even though they're furry hands? A a bit of both. So anytime we come out, like we go back into the locker room during breaks in this COVID era, we disinfect the hands. Wow. That's really interesting. So during the pandemic, I actually wasn't around any people because I was fully at home. So we had to transition into doing just social media posts during that time. What a huge sea change from what you did prior to 2020 and obviously now. So I got to ask, in your opinion, what makes for the best fan experience and what are the greatest lessons that you've learned in sports entertainment? Well, I would say a good balance of uh, authenticity and spectacle. You can do a great fan experience where you're blasting confetti or shooting smoke or fireworks. And those are important and big aspects of fan experiences. But also, if you can just get like so one on one and focused with someone, like if you see fan as having a really rough time and you can do something special special for them directly. I think that's where fan engagement really comes in to play. What do sports mean, not just to you, but also what can sports do for other people? I owe a lot to sports personally. Okay. I didn't grow up a sports fan. I struck out in t-ball when I was four years old. That is based on a true story. But I fell in love with the sports culture over time. I think just seeing how passionate people can get into sports and the world lacks a lot of passion these days. It's one of the few things where people still really get fired up and they, they, they paint themselves blue and go celebrate somewhere. And so that's that's nice to see. Yeah, it's like wholesome. It's not always like a battle between good and evil. I mean, sometimes it can be, you know, but like in politics, like you just have these weird ideologies. And when you watch TV shows, you always have like a hero and a villain. But like sports, I feel like everybody's your hero. Like your hometown team is your hero. You know, you may consider the other team maybe like the New England Patriots a villain. But honestly, like if you look at it in brass tacks, they're all great individuals, great role models, the hard work 
work, the grit that they have to get them to the level that they're at is something that as a parent, I want my kids to see someone like Tom Brady, for example, who worked his butt off to get to where he is today and didn't quit. I mean, just the lessons that are there, you know, I mean, I love sports for that. I agree. So you didn't play any sports in high school? I mean, there was some church league basketball here and there, but... I was never good at sports and I, I still I care about sports now because it's my career uh-huh. but like during the pandemic for example like I didn't keep up with any scores and like <laughs> I've never been a person so I've never been a person to watch ESPN okay on that note is it intimidating to pursue such a unique and specific career path for me specifically I would say yes uh <laughs> because I didn't grow up with sports directly in my life, right? but I was always going to games. So I've always kind of fought an uphill battle. And of course, like the water cooler talk in the office in a sports job, you can imagine is mostly about sports. So you do have to keep up with how your team is doing. But I've learned so much about people. And it, the reason why I stay in sports is the people that you meet along the way and the stories and like the different character types that I wouldn't be exposed to in my normal life if I didn't work in sports. <laughs> What's your degree in? Communication. So you majored in communications. Do you see yourself being a mascot or being in sports entertainment for the rest of your life? I would love to. There are some guys that are still doing it after 30, 40 years. Wow. Very few, but they are incredible performers and they love what they do and they love the impact that they can give to their community. And I really respect that. I just don't know if I'm going to be able to stay in the sports world forever. It really depends on how the job market goes. Yeah. Is it hard on your body? It can be. Okay. I sweat a lot just in general. Well, you're in great shape. Well, thank you. You can imagine what summers are like inside of the mascot costume. Outside. Right. Oh, wow. Right, right, right. Oh, my goodness. I can't imagine. Would you ever wear a costume at like Disney World? No, that gets brought up a lot as well. So that is a very separate kind of thing. A lot of people would think that would be like the top of the mascot game, but it's kind of somewhere in the middle because you have no control over what you do there because you're very structured for that character. And so like in my profession as a mascot coordinator, I get to control with the team's approval. I get to control the direction of how the character goes and what we want the brand to be. So with sports mascots, especially, you can do a lot more like cheeky type things and it's accepted. And you would never see like Mickey Mouse twerking or doing the splits. Like that's just not what Mickey would do. But maybe Goofy would. You never know. I have to be careful how I ask this question because a mascot can be at times an extension of oneself. You could say that. Okay. So what is the pinnacle or what is the scale of mascots? So like what's the worst mascot to be or what's the worst costume to wear? So it's really hard to say. I mean, like there's no wrong way to mascot. What I've always heard is you can put a good mascot in a cardboard box and they would still be entertaining. But like in what environment? So like, for example, if middle of the road is Disney World, like where does being a sports mascot measure up? And is like being a clown at a birthday party the worst. I would say like the Times Square Elmos are probably the worst. (laughs) Or like those guys on Hollywood Boulevard, the Elsas. I like that. (laughs) Yeah. They're smoking a cigarette underneath already. You know, like one of those. And they're wearing a mask. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And wearing a fanny pack that 
that matches their costume, begging for tips. And probably like the pinnacle, honestly, any mascot has potential. Are you familiar with Gritty? from the flyers yeah 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 yeah. so a couple years ago he didn't exist right the flyers didn't have a mascot and then they decided to make this insane character and now he's one of the best characters and it's in a league all of its own behind the scenes it's run by like seven people like seven like marketing people and so i think the person my equivalent at the flyers doesn't have as much input but they are bringing that character to life that's amazing yeah obviously we've established that you are in a very unique type of job so other people that don't want to be sort of in the mainstream of you know get a business degree or go work at a marketing firm you know that want to do something that's different right that may very well give them a degree that's kind of quirky like philosophy for example or people that want to end up being like a museum curator there's not a lot of jobs for that but that's what i want to do so what do you tell young professionals that might feel overwhelmed by chasing such a distinct goal step outside your comfort zone okay in the words of miss frizzle Take chances, make mistakes, get messy. That's what that's what I would say nice. to people trying to get out there. Because you don't know what you really love until you try it. I think that's what happens to a lot of people that are finishing college or that are done with college and they're working like this. And I hate to say dead end job, but you know, a job's just not fulfilling because there's no passion. And when you don't put passion into your work, then you're not going to feel fulfilled. And you obviously said, you know what? I love being a mascot. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to be a mascot in college. I love, or I'm sorry, a mascot coordinator. And I'm going to be one in college. And then I'm going to go and chase my dream and, you know, see where life takes me. What was it like when Kansas City won the whole thing? Like how electric was that type of environment? Well, it was just a dream because up until that point, the biggest stadium I'd been in was Bridgestone. And even then it wasn't the scale of the World Series. So just being around that many people that quickly and only a few months before working at Tennessee Tech in the Hooper Evelyn Center with a couple thousand fans. It's night and day, yeah, but it's still the same thing because you still have those dedicated fans right. that are excited to see the game. So would you consider that to be the highlight of your career so far? I don't know. That's that's a difficult question. Well, what is the highlight of your career? There's been a couple different ones. When I was at Tennessee Tech, we started competing at the Mascot National Championship down in Florida each year. And the Mascot program had sent in some entry videos before, but throughout my career, career or my time at tech sure whatever yeah well, i mean you were the mascot so i mean did they pay you very little okay uh, so I, you could call it a career then <laughs> uh, a scholarship of sorts free books it was okay. nice they're expensive they are <laughs> and sorry where were we uh, so you went yeah. to the mascots uh, in florida yes so the mascot national championship so my freshman year we placed third and my sophomore year we placed second and then my junior and senior year we figured out how to win the competition and we won it back to back wow Um, and so the first year we won was one of the best moments of my life for sure i know that sounds ridiculous because no one knows about this competition but just from being a program where we barely knew what we were doing our costume didn't have a chin strap and as you can imagine that 
is a problem when you're yeah. in a mascot costume. Yeah. So how'd you hold it on? With a very complicated system of toboggan and ace bandage. Oh, wow. It doesn't even make sense looking back on it. Like, <laughs> just put a chin strap in the costume. <laughs> Things are better now. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Tennessee Tech. But winning that first championship really was one of the better moments because the program hadn't been anything before. It was sure. just like an extension of the cheer program. And then with the team that we had at the time, we were able to figure that out. Just like any other sport, there's a science to it. I think that the point of the story is that if you want to do something unique and different, like being a mascot coordinator or working in tournaments that may put things like that on in Florida, there's a place for you. So don't put yourself in a box. Drake, you've been doing this for some time, and I'm sure you've seen probably some crazy, crazy stuff. Talk a little bit about the worst part of being a mascot coordinator during your career. Well, there have been a myriad of things, but one of the worst experiences I can think of was my, actually my very first time working a game. Uh, it was my very first game, fall of 2010. It was a football game at Cookville High School, and we were playing Sparta, who is the rival, of course. I come out of the locker room for the first time, and I'm just eager. I'm standing there with my sword doing my thing. And this little Sparta kid comes down, and he's like, can we take a picture? And then he just punches me right in the nose. <laughs> And that costume was a fiberglass head and real close to your face, my face. And so punches me right in the face and my nose started bleeding. And then as I'm, oh my God. I'm trying to walk back into the locker room and the door is locked. Yeah. I'm a high school kid. I didn't make any plans before. I, I didn't know the person where the key was, any of that. The reason why I bring this up is I know Henry Fencher has been on this podcast yeah, before, yeah, right? For sure. So he was standing right there and he's like, hey, let's take a picture. So I've seen the picture of Mr. Cavalier and Henry Fencher out there. I've seen this picture, but in that picture, there's blood running down my face. <laughs> so that's, that's, wow. that's how my career started. Yeah. There's plenty of other crazy things that have happened, but that's, that's a local I mean, thing. you ever had like beer poured on you and uh, you know, stuff thrown at you. I was working an event one time at the A's. And a drunk person had a glass of red wine and the character there wore white baseball pants. And we're like 20 minutes into a three hour thing and someone spills red wine all over the front of the white pants. So you can just imagine what the sight of that would look like. So after you got injured on your very first outing at Cookville High, you still decided that you were going to be a mascot even after someone punched you in the face yeah. and you had a bloody nose and you were like, I'm not going to let that deter me from following my dream. This is exactly what I signed up well, for. There were no tears involved in that one, but there was blood and sweat involved. So I guess it balances out. <laughs> yeah. Well, it validates that you yeah. were the right man for the jobs. If you could give fans one piece of advice that would amplify and enrich their sports going experience, what would it be? Uh, loosen up. You can be invested in the team, but everyone from the players on the field to the coaches, to the refs, to the parking guy, to the guy selling the hot dogs is human. And like they all make mistakes and they're all worthy of respect. Right. You should treat a player the exact same way that you treat a parking attendant. Absolutely. So on a personal note, your mom, Barbara Finland, recently graduated with her undergraduate degree from TTU after 48 years. First of all, congratulations, Barbara. And second, what values and wisdom do you believe that your parents instilled within you to make you the adventurous and successful person that you are today? Well, thank you. That's those are very kind words. And, and I'm very proud of my mom. She took a 48 year gap year there 
uh, <laughs> in, the, in the middle. She's going to get her master's degree in 2069. So mark your calendars. <laughs> it's another 48 years. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like that. So how did she instill this attitude, this can-do attitude in you? My parents were both raised in the 50s and 60s with fairly strict but loving parents. And then they were both part of the hippie generation. I like always like to say my dad was at the Vietnam protest that's in Forrest Gump. I really think that attitude of standing up against your adversaries is very important, uh, but in a peaceful way, I think that's crucial. And they really instilled a idea of helping others and being kind to people, but not taking yourself too seriously. Your parents instilled this incredible work ethic, obviously made you into a good person. You've been in this mascot game for 12 years now, going all the way back to high school. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? I don't know. Uh, I would love to still be working in sports in some way. If you would have asked me in 2020, I would have said working in baseball somewhere. Now that I've come to the Nashville Soccer Club, I don't know. I've really fallen in love with soccer. I've really fallen in love with the energy that's in it. And soccer is going through a renaissance right now in the United States. And it's really awesome to be a part of. I don't know. I really don't know where I'm going to be in 10 years. And I love that. I love that I don't know where I'm going to be. Have you ever thought about opening up a mascot coordinator training school? Bits and pieces of that. I've, okay. There's a couple different groups right now that do that work. I've taught summer camps before, but there's no real hard and set way to teach mascot, mm-hmm. but there could be. To take the sports entertainment world a little bit further, do you think that you would really enjoy being in the front office of a sports team, making the decisions around the sports marketing, maybe even like managing the players? Is that something that interests you? On the player side, no. The marketing side is different. That's what a lot of my job is now, okay. is the office side. I do coordinate all the appearances and uh, brand of our mascot program at the moment. Like today alone, I had two partnerships meetings, but also I was working on some costumes for this upcoming season. I like to think it's the the ADD mindset. Uh, it keeps me going. I do something entirely different every day. And I didn't really realize that until I had our intern helping us out today. Well, the, this past couple of months that we've had an intern in our department and I assigned him the most random tasks every single day. Realized they have no job description. <laughs> right, right. A crazy different amount of stuff, like looking up drums across the country, like massive drums and trying to find the world's largest drum and see if we can get that involved or looking up 3XL hoodies that are fashionable, yeah. but on sale and right. in our budget. It's just something different every single day. Do you think that sports in general will be different in 10 years? Do you think that we'll get to see like football players that have a bionic arm, robotic legs? Will we be seeing a different sport altogether? Do you think they have more evolution to come? Yeah, I think sports is going to change a lot. I don't know what direction that'll be, if that'll be in a new sport coming up. Sure. So no robots, no like mechanical arms. I don't know. The only thing I could see is if they just fully make a separate league where steroids are allowed. I think the sports world is going to keep growing for sure. So we've been talking about sports the entire podcast, but I just want to go off topic just for a second because there's something in the conversations that I've had with my producer that really piqued my interest, okay? 
You got married in early 2021 to your lovely and incredible wife, Lily, but you waited a whole year to share the news publicly. What made you wait? So that's that's a very complicated question. So during the pandemic, of course, I was unemployed. So I was applying for a bunch of jobs. So December 18th, I accepted the job with the soccer club. And I was already planning to propose on December 19th. I got the job. We got engaged. And then we had to pack up our whole lives and move across the country. We packed up all of our things into three big U-Haul box things and shipped them across the country. And then we drove with our cat in the car and Lily's mom and two of our friends. Along the way, our parents kept saying, hey, you should stop in Vegas, just get married. It's on the way, just just do it. I love and we're it. like, well, we're not doing that. But we decided, yeah, we might as well because first we love each other very much. And I wasn't gonna have insurance with the situation I had with the club this past year. And then my grandparents were about to sell their home and move into assisted living. Mm. And my grandpa has memory issues and he, he kept asking if we'd already gotten married. He'd been doing that for months. Yeah. And so all of the timing just made sense for us to just start this new chapter in Tennessee as husband and wife. Why wait a whole year to... Oh, of course. The, the, the point of the question. Right. Yeah. Uh, so we felt like we were controlling the new cycle, basically, uh-huh. because I'd gotten a new job. We were moving across the country. Christmas happened. Lily had gotten a, a promotion right before we moved. And we just thought springing out that we had gotten married would be like a little excessive. And we just wanted to keep it to us. We just wanted to kind of have this for ourselves. Yeah. And so we, we never hid that we were married. We just didn't promote it. So did you guys like every day when you came home from work and sat down on the couch and like kind of giggled like, hey, we're married and nobody knows. We had the conversation so many times of having explained the full story to people before we announced it. And it was fun. It was like a fun, open secret. So when you finally announced it, what was the feedback like? By that time, most of our close, close friends and family knew. Family knew. We we told them almost immediately and just said, we're keeping this to ourselves for a little bit. We'll announce when we're ready. We were only engaged six weeks. Wow. It was was very quick. How long did you guys know each other prior to getting engaged? Two years. Nice. I mean, once you get engaged, though, for anybody listening out there that's engaged and they're waiting on something other than like a venue or a dress or something to come in, don't wait. Just go get married. Once you're engaged, that's it. You've already committed, right? Right. We're doing everything out of order because we're still doing a big wedding in the fall. Can I come? Uh, Sure. Okay, cool. Uh, Lily, uh, add him to the guest list, please. And (laughs) (laughs) we got married January of 2021 and we're going on our honeymoon in May of 2022. And then the wedding. And then the wedding. Oh, wow. And so I'm saying in two years, we should do the bachelor and bachelorette parties. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so finally, I got to ask, going back to the topic of sports, what's it like to perform as a mascot? And more importantly, what do you wish that people knew about the man behind the mask? What I say a lot is that every day you make someone laugh and you make someone cry. And whether those are tears of joy or tears of fear is dependent on the day and dependent on the person, because every person has a different reaction to mascots. There are several people that are afraid of mascots out there. My wife is one included. And so imagine how that goes. Your wife doesn't really like being around mascots or people in costumes. What happens if you have kids and they also are scared of coming to your place of business and 
interacting with you. Do you think that it might be time for a career change? That's an interesting point. Um, there's several mascots out there right now that have kids and their kids have no idea that they're mascots. What? Yeah, they keep it a secret. They just think, oh yeah, dad works for the Astros. And Are you going to tell your kids? I don't know. It depends on if I'm still working in sports. Dude, don't tell them. Yeah. Like they'll think that you're a superhero. I love it. All right. So we always like to end the show on a high note. Who is one person that makes you better when you're together? Uh, my lovely wife, Lily. She's been the one constant thing I've had in my life the past couple of years, aside from family. In California, I didn't know a ton of people. When I met my wife, Lily, she really just opened up her world to me. Let me hang out with her friends and friends that became family out in California. I mean, together we've moved across the country now and we have two lovely cats and (laughs) we're loving the Tennessee life. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Better Together with Costa Yepafontive. If you've enjoyed listening and you want to hear more, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Leave us a review or better yet, share this episode with a friend. Better Together with Costa Yepafontive is a Costa Yepafontive production. Today's episode was written and produced by Morgan Franklin. Post-production, mixing, and editing by Mike Franklin. Want to know more about Costa? Visit us at costayepafontive.com. We're better together.